Welcome to Season 6 of American Political History, The Institution of Slavery, Africa. The African continent is enormous, three times the size of the United States, and is only smaller to the Asian landmass. The distance from Tangiers in Morocco to Cape Town in South Africa is 5,200 miles. That is close to the same distance from L.A. to Japan across the Pacific Ocean. Despite its size, the African coastline is mostly inaccessible, blocked by shallow shoals and sharp currents in the water, while many of the deltas are coastal swamps and not navigable by ocean-going vessels. The northern part of Africa is more Mediterranean in many aspects, including its climate, which resembles Italy and Greece, North Africa is also blocked from the rest of the continent by a massive desert. Below the Sahara Desert, there is a vast savanna stretching to the east and west. As you venture to the equator, the savannas are replaced with humid tropical jungles. A mountain range separates West and East Africa. East Africa, for centuries, has had limited trade with India, Asia, and the Middle East. West Africa remained largely unknown until the Portuguese sailed to the area during the 15th century. In short, the peoples of Africa are diverse, with over 800 African languages belonging to four major dialect groups. But, because of the varying climates, especially the tropical and desert climates, Africa is mostly populated with poor and easily exhausted soils. These poor climates have meant that Africa is the most sparsely populated continent except for Australia. Much like the concept of Europe or European, historically Africans have never thought of themselves as African. Like other places in the world, Africans would have identified themselves through their city-state, important local allegiances, kinship groups, religious orders, and perhaps even their occupational groups. Africans created cities, armies, polities, religions over the course of centuries of history. African nations had complex trade networks established over generations, which varied from nation to nation. Many different forms of political and economic societies emerged throughout African history. Much like all other societies in history, Africans used slavery as the basis of their labor using slavery in equivalent numbers as the Romans, Arabs, or Italian city-states which we have covered. Wealth, for all societies in history before the Industrial Revolution, was measured in the amount of labor a ruler could bring to bear. And, like all civilizations around the world, wealth was symbolized by the amount of slaves under your command. Like elsewhere, African rulers rose to power fending off enslavement from other people. And once they were freed from that predation, they became the nations that started enslaving people, or the predators. Slaves labored throughout the differing African economies, both as skilled and unskilled. The most common slave in Africa was a female. They could contribute to their master's material wealth through labor at nearly the same levels as males, crafting goods, working fields, and handling all domestic duties. Additionally, Female slaves could produce more wealth for their masters via their natural reproductive ability, naturally generating generational wealth with very little investment and, you can't ignore, the male master's ability to sexually exploit their female slaves for pleasure. 
a Swahili proverb states, Slaves have no words of their own. Like everywhere else, African slaves were obtained through war, violent raids, or purchased through trade networks. An English slave trader would comment in 1790 that the value of a slave in the eyes of an African purchaser is increased in proportion to the distance from their native lands. As we have seen, this pattern of importing slaves from afar was a tool of slave domination and control, used again and again in African, European, and American slave cultures. Slave masters have always preferred slaves that were in isolation, and nothing was better at doing that than simply geographic distance from any kinship networks or people that they could rely on to escape their captivity. African economies valued wealth measured in slaves, rather than wealth from gold coins. This is not to say they didn't have value for commodities. It is to say that the base value of commodities was ultimately measured in slaves. In today's terms, think of this as the dollar being the ultimate measure of wealth today. Other currencies have value, but culturally, they're always measured against the U.S. dollar in comparative value. Why did African cultures develop to have a greater economic and cultural focus on control of people instead of, say, gold like the Europeans? Remember, Africa is sparsely populated, with land readily available. Labor was the resource most scarce. The central problem for aspiring political rulers was obtaining labor. And the tried and trusted method of commanding your labor was slavery. And it was essential for successful leaders and city-states to have a system and economy built around slavery. Thus, in Africa, like everywhere else, slavery was the paradigm. If I buy a slave, I am her father. I am her mother. She has no family except her master. She has no relationships except her master. She has no purpose except her master's. She has no power except her master's whims. Slavery and having slaves was an expression of power over the powerless. In the kingdoms of Dahomey and Benin in West Africa, slaves were occasionally sacrificed as a direct representation of of the physical and spiritual power of the masters. Slaves were culturally more than just a simple measure of what one could produce, but a symbol of power and authority of those who were the masters. An African parable reads, The people of the river were hungry, and I took some food in my canoe when I went to visit them. For the food I bought two little boys and returned to my house. When the boys had grown fat and strong, I bought them a gun and spears. Then we went up the river with our guns. Frightened, the people ran away. But we caught three and brought them down with us. I made them build a house for me, and soon I had a town all my own. My name was feared, so when I went up the river a third time, I easily took more slaves in this way, and I became rich and a great man. Thank you for listening to this episode of American Political History. If you want to support the show, please subscribe and leave a five-star rating, and share the show with someone you think would enjoy listening. Thank you again, and until next time.